Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is another day closer to the weekend, another day closer to football at Davis Wade Stadium. We've got a lot to talk about today. We met with Garrett Schrader yesterday, as well as Darrell Williams and Farad Green and others. Kind of a limited uh, media opportunity. We will meet with defensive players a little bit later this evening, and we'll have that report with you over on Friday. You can find much of this content for free over on jeanspage.com. There will be some of that is VIP, but by and large, all the videos of the uh, players that come meet with us are free. You can find those uh, on the front page of jeanspage.com just over there to the left. You should be a subscriber, but if you're not, you can still read that content for free and view exactly what the players had to say and make your own evaluations about where they stand. Also, encourage you to like our Facebook page, the Bulldogs 247 
Facebook page. It's spelled a little different, though. It's B-U-L-L-D-A-W-G-S-247. But if you, if you search Mississippi State 247 on Facebook, you'll find us. And also, they're twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central Time. I am doing about a 40 to 45-minute Facebook Live show. You can go see those that are archived already. Chance for us to interact. And this past uh, Monday show, I could barely keep up with the questions. I just kind of had to, to, to skip over because many people were asking the same question. But uh, certainly, let's just say a lot of enthusiasm about Mississippi State football on Monday. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Really happy to have you partnered with those people. Really good quality people there. A great restaurant quality hamburger served at a great restaurant by great people that are committed to your community. Uh, very, very happy to be with them. And, and uh, I get Facebook messages and tagged in pictures regularly. And people say, you know what? We're at Bulldog Burger Company. We're having a great time. You will have a great time, too. Go have the spring rolls. It'll make you and the people with you better looking. And we all need more of that. Somebody recently told me that the Lauren is now their favorite hamburger. And I, I'd like to take some type of credit for that. It's wonderful. So go by Bulldog Burger Company with two locations now to serve you. One in Starkville. One in Tupelo, Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's get into a couple of things. Just moments ago, the Mississippi State uh, Athletics Department announced the Mississippi State 2020 baseball schedule. Now, we are a baseball school. We love football. We love women's basketball. But we are, at our core, a baseball school. 56 games over a four-month schedule. Uh, and it's going to be a very competitive schedule. 30 of the teams that we're going to have on our regular schedule either won their conference championship or participated in the NCAA tournament. So this is going to be a very challenging schedule. We're going to put together a really good team this year. We're going to win a lot of these ball games. You got 31 games at Duty Noble. So if you so when you begin to think about your season ticket orders. You're going to get the chance to see 31 regular season games at Duty Noble Field and hopefully a chance to see some postseason baseball at Duty Noble Field as well. Hopefully we'll be able to host this year. You can go ahead and tweet Kendall Rogers now and find out. I'm sure he can tell you. But uh, we're going to make a trip to the West Coast this year. And so uh, let's just kind of jump in here and go over some of this. And one of the best things that, that we do at Mississippi State is we're able to bring the Bulldogs to you. And, and I know when I was a young pup growing up in Columbia, Mississippi, when we had it, whenever the Bulldogs would come south a little bit, and back in those days we would play like the Jackson Mets in an exhibition game or you'd play the Mayor's Trophy game, that sort of stuff. I was always so grateful to have a chance to see Mississippi State play because it was difficult, man, to, to make the – back in those days, 25 was a two-lane deal. And, and sometimes you go out there and you get behind somebody hauling a trailer and it became an all-day trip. You know what I'm talking about. But any time the Bulldogs came south, man, it was like the biggest thing. Once once news spread, hey, Mississippi State's playing in Hattiesburg this weekend or they're going to be uh, playing in Jackson. Man, the world stopped, man, when I was a kid. And all the Mississippi State fans that I knew, everybody started making plans to go. Didn't always work out, but it was such a big deal. So I like it when the Diamond Dogs take the show on the road. And good news the, Bull, the Bulldogs are going to play in Pearl against Southern Miss and then in Biloxi against Louisiana Tech. So uh, that's big. That's big. And it's going to be a two-day trip this year in Biloxi. That, that's new. We're going to play Louisiana Tech on the 10th and Nickel State on the 11th and at MGM. 
So let's, let's run through this schedule. So, and you guys obviously can go find this at hellstate.com. But I think you know what a big baseball guy I am. I, 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 love, I love it, man. I really do. Diamond Dogs will be in action this Saturday in an exhibition at UAB. This Sunday, pardon me. 1 p.m. at UAB. So if you're if you're in the Birmingham area, or if you're in a star glory for that matter, in a reasonable driving distance of Birmingham, and you want to go out and see the Diamond Dogs in action, you can see them this Sunday, 1 p.m. at UAB. Mississippi State will open the schedule on Valentine's Day. And I know many of you guys, you might not have officially married a Diamond Girl. But if if you if you married a girl like me, she her the, her favorite diamonds are the ones that involve baseballs, and so you can bring her out for a Friday night deal. Ball game's going to start at four o'clock on Valentine's Day. Bring her out, and you still have time to stop by Bulldog Burger on the way home. So three games set to open the series against Wright State. We will then host Samford that following Tuesday. You may recall last year we went to Samford and played them over there, got behind in that ball game, and then Rowdy Jordan kind of snapped out of his slump over there and won the ball game for us. We'll have Oregon State. Man, how big is that? Oregon State is coming here for a three-game series. That's that second weekend. We'll have four four games to kind of work through it. That's a huge, huge, huge non-conference series. Oregon State comes to Duty Noble. We're going to pay that trip back at some point. I don't know if it's next year or the following year, but we it is a home-and-home deal we've made with them. We'll come back that Tuesday, and we're going to play Texas Southern. Wednesday will be an Alcorn State game. Then we got we go to Long Beach State. They have been struggling a little bit, but that'll be an interesting trip for us. So all of you West Coast dogs, go ahead and plan the end of February, and it is a, uh, it's a leap year in 2020. So you'll get a chance to watch some baseball on February 29th. So 28th through the 1st, Long Beach State will come back, play Southern Miss on March 4th in Pearl at Trustmark Park. That's become, a, become an annual event. And then Quinnipiac will be here at Mississippi State. That's, that's correct. I did say it correctly. Quinnipiac will be here in Starkville for a three-game series on March, the weekend of March 6th. Then we take a trip down to Biloxi. And uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and take I plan to cover both of those ball games. That's going to be a two-game set down there. Louisiana Tech on Tuesday, Nickel State on Wednesday. Then we begin SEC play right here in Starkville against Arkansas. We'll open up right out of the gate. The last two times they've been here, we swept them. The last two times we've been there, they swept us. So it's our turn to sweep them, right? Then we will take a trip down uh, the following, I guess the next weekend we go to LSU. On the way down there, we will swing through Hammond, Louisiana and play Southeastern and have a day off before we take on LSU. That'll be a good week. March 24th, we uh, we will get travel to, to back to Regents Field in Birmingham to play UAB. Then we have Kentucky coming in for a three-game set. It'll be good to see Nick Mingione again. Hopefully we can sweep them. Then we'll go to Memphis. A lot of regional non-conference games on this schedule. I really like that because it's difficult sometimes to get the crowd here for a midweek game in Starkville, but it's nice when we go on the road there. So that'll be uh, AutoZone Park on Tuesday, March 31st. Then we'll make the uh, the three-game trip to uh, to Auburn. That's going to be a big series. Man, Auburn's going to be really good this year. I think we've got a chance to uh, to get out of the gate strong. It's kind of nice to get them early, but uh, they're going to have some really quality pitching. Then we'll have UT Martin come here before we host Ole Miss for Super Bulldog Weekend. Super Bulldog Weekend will be the weekend of April 9th, 10th, and 11th. I believe that is also Easter Weekend. So you can get all of your 
Super Bulldog weekend stuff together and then still have Easter Sunday to celebrate with your family. Then we will host South Alabama. That's become kind of a regular thing. We play them regularly. And they're a good non-conference opponent. Then we travel to South Carolina. Kind of looking forward to that one. Haven't made that trip in a while. That is probably the second best stadium in the Southeastern Conference. We'll be really looking forward to making that trip. That'll be a great trip. That's uh, that's mid-April. It's the weekend of April 17th. And then we'll play Ole Miss in the Governor's game April 21st. We'll we'll come back from Carolina and go play Ole Miss, and then we'll host A&M that next weekend, April 24th. We went down there last year, should have swept that series. Could have easily lost two out of three, too. Very competitive series. Be nice to get them up here. Then we'll make a trip to Alabama. So that that's, again, another series a lot of Bulldog fans can make. We should be able to go over there and take, take over that park. That's May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Southern University, you remember we played them in the regional last year. They were very, very good. Uh, Southern will be here on uh, May 5th. That's a Tuesday. Then Missouri comes in. Then we have North Alabama on a Tuesday. And then we go to Vanderbilt to close out SEC play. So let's run through here real quick here. We, uh, the thing that I always look at when I look at the schedule is, is who are we missing? Well, the good news is we're missing Georgia. Uh, that is a uh, that that's good for us. I would like to have Miss Vanderbilt, but uh, be be that as it may, I don't think we have to lower the hurdles here at Mississippi State. That last weekend, you know, we we talk about all the time. Vanderbilt gets the benefit of playing everybody in the East. We don't always get that that opportunity, but this year we will get you know, Missouri and Kentucky and South Carolina, who were the bottom three teams in the East last year. Uh, so that's good. So you're going to avoid Tennessee. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. I don't know that Tennessee's going to be a lot better this year. They're losing a lot of pitching. But uh, Garrett Crochet will be back, probably be their Friday night guy. But you do miss Georgia. Uh, so, you know, I think when I look at this schedule, I look at this and say, you know what, it, it is a very friendly schedule. I think the Mississippi State folks did a great job adding some great regional non-conference games on some neutral sites to give a lot of Bulldog fans an opportunity uh, to go attend those ball games. I'm excited about it because I was really hoping South Carolina would be on the schedule this year, so that gives us an opportunity to uh, to get out there and see them. Uh, and, and again, that that's one of those great ballparks, and it looks like it'll be mid-April, so the weather should be pretty good. shouldn't be too hot. shouldn't be too cold. be a great opportunity for us. So running this down one more time real quickly, your SEC road trips – at LSU, at Auburn, at South Carolina, at Alabama, at Vanderbilt. All of those within a reasonable driving distance. That last weekend at Vanderbilt, man, that could be huge, man. That could be so, so big because everybody will be in great season form by then. Your home series again, running that down for just the SEC play, running down the home series again, Arkansas here, Kentucky here. Ole Miss here, A&M here, Missouri here. Every one of those is a winnable series, every single one of them. I like the schedule. I really do. And I like Oregon State coming in early. That, that'll be a big RPI-type series. We've got to find a way to win that series. But, man, that, that's I like the fact, again, it says it is a statement that we are a national-level program and we're willing to go out and play national level programs and non-conference series you know i guess you know i guess we could have played you know oregon tech 
but we didn't. We got Oregon State on a schedule. Huge, 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 huge development there. So we'll figure some things out. And fall ball's pretty much over. Not much left. Uh, but excited to see what this team does. And for those of you that, that didn't know, Team Westberg wins the Fall Ball World Series two out of three. Team Foskey wins the uh, the final game 5-1. But, uh, again, happy with what we've got coming back, happy with what we're putting together. And I think this schedule really gives Mississippi State a chance to be back in a situation to host next year. Really, really, really good schedule. Really good schedule. And we, we talk about that West Coast trip, and, of course, Long Beach State obviously will be looking to improve a great deal, but they have – they have not been very good uh, the last few years. We'll look them up here real quick here. The Dirtbags, you know, they've kind of built a cult following over the years, but uh, they have uh, they have really struggled. They went 14-41 and 41 last year with an RPI of 221, so that won't help our RPI any. But that ought to be a nice trip for the kids and, and hopefully a chance for us to go uh, to go win a series early. They were also a losing team in 2018, were 27 and 30 record, and uh, so back in 17 they were 42 and 20 and 20 and four in the Big West with an RPI of 13. But they've fallen on some hard times as of late. So again, very fan friendly schedule, and also the road trips are not you know ridiculous. So if you're one of these diamond dog fans that wants to travel to everything. It really looks like outside of the South Carolina trip, everything is doable. And also, you you don't have Florida on the schedule this year. You know, so you're going to bypass Florida, you're going to bypass Tennessee, you're going to bypass Georgia. You know, I, I don't know that we could have got much better, to be quite honest with you. I, I really, really don't. I, I, again, unless Vanderbilt had rotated off the schedule, and they're going to be a different team this year, but, you know, with Vanderbilt's recruiting advantages, they're always going to be a very formidable foe. So I like it. And uh, you know, I, I'm ready for it to get here. I, I know many of you are as well. I'm, I'm really, really excited about this. I'll give you a couple quotes from Chris Lamonis here. We feel like we've put together a competitive non-conference schedule. We feel the quality of competition in non-conference, both at home and on the road, will prepare us for a tough SEC schedule. Along with playing games across the state of Mississippi, we know our fans will be excited to see Oregon State visit Duty Noble Field, along with a handful of other NCAA tournament-caliber teams. Our fan base is the best in college baseball. Repeat, our fan base is the best in college baseball, and it's important for our program to play the games in the central Mississippi region, along with getting down to the coast this spring for our fans in Biloxi. We're excited to spend two straight nights on the coast and two different evenings in Pearl in front of what we hope are four loud cowbell-ringing crowds. So, uh, again, I think it's a great schedule. Really, really happy with this. Listen, it's uh, we're going to get some college football stuff. And I know some of you guys – you like to pick the winners. You know, you like to have a little skin in the game. You like to be able to, to win your office pool. You like to be able to tell everybody how smart you are and, and you kind of saw this coming and you're a guy that understands spreads and that sort of stuff. Well, maybe it's time you put your money where your mouth is. Our friends at MyBookie.ag, longtime sponsors of the Boneyard during football season, are back again with another exciting offer to kind of let you play with a little house money of your own. Go to mybookie.ag and use promo code BONEYARD. That's B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D, and they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. So you get that right. Now, you can't just put your money in and immediately withdraw it. you got to play with it. They're not just going to give you the money and then say, Here, here's a gift from us. It's money that you can actually go back with and earn winnings are against. And it's one of those things, too, when you begin to think about there's not a lot of life that's free. Well, here's something that actually is free. And so you go in. 
because who you bet with is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie.ag, reputable company with fast payouts and a company, again, that's been with us a long time. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Again, MyBookie.ag, promo code BONEYARD. So let's get into some college football talk. We had a chance to, uh, to visit with Garrett Schrader. Interestingly enough, we did not meet with Tommy Stevens this week. We meet with Tommy Stevens every week. And so what that tells me is that this move with Garrett Schrader is a little more permanent. That's kind of what we all suspected, but I thought it is interesting that Joe Moorhead comes out on Monday and says Garrett's a starter, and then Tommy's not available. Uh, Tommy was available the week of the Kentucky game, if if memory serves me correct. I believe we have had uh, Tommy Stevens available every week during media opportunities, and then we began to have Garrett Schrader as well once he began to play. And so last night, just the one quarterback. Schrader met with us, and, uh, you know, he, he one of the things that I'll say about this guy, he never seems to get emotional. You know, he, even on the field when he makes a big play and stuff, but he, like in the media and stuff, he's always so collected. You know, he just he's very poised. I guess that's the word you're looking for there. You know, we it's become almost a punchline these days to say people have poise or have swagger, and he has both. And, and, and really more in the traditional sense of the word rather than the social media sense. He's just a guy that has a very quiet confidence about himself that he expects to go win football games. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. Ron Polk would certainly approve, right? Uh, but I'm very impressed with him. And uh, when you talk to Darrell Williams, you talk to Farad Green, and, and they tell you that he is just kind of wise beyond his years. He just has a certain level of maturity that maybe some other guys don't. And that's not being critical of other Mississippi State quarterbacks. That's just kind of a... a a statement of who he is as a freshman that you know that the moment never gets too big for him and that, and that's really the thing that happens with freshmen is you know the moment gets too big and the game begins to speed up with them but that hadn't really been the case for Garrett you know and I think it, our, our fans may have seen this you know probably before you know maybe Joe Moorhead did but it, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, of Chris Lamonis making the decision to move Justin Foscue to second base from third you know it's kind of like yeah you kind of fight it for a while then you make the move and it's for the betterment of the team and I think that's kind of what we're seeing develop here with Garrett Schrader I think that's just uh, how it's going to play out Garrett Schrader is just you know I think he he is the future of our program and as I wrote earlier today Ideally, you wanted to redshirt him, have him play four games, get his feet wet, and then have him take over and be your starter for four years. We can no longer afford to follow that line of thinking. He has now played in five games, and injuries are part of the game of football. That's one of the things you hear a lot. Well, you know, if we didn't have this and we didn't have that, well, we do. We do have the suspensions. We do have the injuries. We do have a three-and-three record. And I do commend Joe Moorhead for, for making the obvious choice here, but not belaboring the point or being stubborn with it and saying, you know what, we're going to stick with Tommy. And we've talked about it on this show before. You know, Tommy beat out Garrett in the, in the fall, but I, but I think really, if we're all being honest with ourselves, I think that was just part of a, a bigger plan. You know, the, the, the long-term plan, the five-year plan, was to have you know, Garrett Schrader as our quarterback you know, in 2020, 21, 22, and 23. Now he's our starting quarterback in 2019. So we're ahead of schedule. It's just like 
the whole situation with Keaton Thompson. And every time we brought that up, Joe Moorhead said, we have to do what is best for the team first and the individual second. And while it may have taken us a week or two to kind of make the call on Tommy Stevens, and, man, I wish the guy well, what's best for Mississippi State is for Garrett Schrader to be the quarterback. That's not just best long-term. That's best now. He gives Mississippi State its best chance to win. And I think if there is any good news from the last week, that's it. The team simply plays harder for Garrett Schrader. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that there's been any unrest in the locker room because I don't know any of that. That's not what I'm trying to say. But Garrett Schrader was here during the spring. Garrett Schrader was here during the recruiting process. Garrett Schrader was expected to be here during the summer workouts, expected to be here during the fall. He had already had plenty of opportunities to kind of acclimate to Mississippi State. And not only does he know Mississippi State, the Mississippi State football players know him. Now, to Tommy Stevens' credit, he shows up here and uh, ends up being voted captain by his teammates. And I think that is a testament to his attitude and his willingness to come in and work and kind of fit in. But I think there is a certain level of comfortability with Garrett Schrader because he has been here a little bit longer. I don't know what you really attribute all of that to, but one of the things that I have noticed being on the sidelines of the football game is when Garrett Schrader makes a big play, I can see the offensive line kind of charging up behind him, pumping their fists to pick him up, Darrell Williams kind of leading that charge. I think, quite frankly, they want to run block more than they want to pass block. You know, that's one of those things, too, you know, when you kind of cultivate and train guys to kind of fire off the ball and blow people off the line of scrimmage, and then all of a sudden, you know, when you pass protect, you're kind of back on your heels a little bit, kind of dancing like a dancing bear, you know. It's a different deal. But I think the fact that Garrett Schrader is a guy that can extend plays and is very decisive, especially for a freshman. You know, against Kentucky, he held the ball a little bit too long on that sack and fumble. And he's learned from it. But one of the things that I really admire about Garrett Schrader, in addition to his poise and obviously his ability to to manage some pretty major situations, is the fact that he he is a guy that plays beyond his years. And when it's time to make a play, when that internal clock goes off, he will take off and try to make something positive of a play. But he's here, and he's our guy. And, uh, again, you can watch that video over at Gene's page. And I think you're going to be impressed. You've probably watched it several times before. You know, we, you've seen Garrett speak. It was a little different in the respect that, uh, you know, he knows that he is the guy now. But it is the same Garrett that is always just kind of handled immediately. He's never been one of those guys that shied away from it or, you know, kind of been a little bit uh, flustered under the lights and peppered with all the questions. He, is, he just kind of handles it. I think it is a very good representation of who he is. And it excites me for the future. And quite frankly, Jim Moorhead needs Garrett Schrader to be good. People forget Garrett Schrader was the first offer extended by Jim Moorhead. Jim Moorhead was recruiting him for two years to join him at Penn State. They were grooming him, recruiting him, kind of courting him to be the guy to replace Trace McSorley. Then you get the opportunity to bring Tommy Stevens in this year to kind of be the stopgap guy while Garrett is developing. And then Tommy gets injured. And, and this is my educated guess but I think it's pretty safe to say that Tommy Stevens is not not as healthy 
as perhaps it's been reported to be. And I, I suspect a lot of that is on him. People say, well, you know, Steve, the trainers and all that kind of stuff. Listen, if you have worked your entire life to be a college quarterback and you finally get the opportunity and you've won the starting job and you have an injury, uh, if you're like me, they're going to have to drag you off the field kicking and screaming. This is the end of the road for Tommy Stevens as a college quarterback in many respects. And so it's not something that he's just going to say, you know, it'll be okay. I'll just take a red shirt this year and get healthy. There is no next year for Tommy Stevens. So he has to make the situation work. And I think what happened last weekend is that we saw through very painful observations that he is not the quarterback that he was prior to the injury. And I hate that for him. I asked Joe Moorhead about that on Monday. And in the middle of my question, Joe says, yeah, it absolutely sucks. And it does suck because Tommy is a great guy and he's, he's a very talented guy. But he's clearly not the same quarterback. I think he's a little bit more tentative at times. And you go back and if you can if you can stomach it, if you go back and watch that Tennessee game, there were a handful of times when, other, when guys are wide open. You guys are absolutely wide open to make a play and either we couldn't get the ball to them or we didn't see them. And so I don't know if, if Tommy Stevens is one of those guys who's trying to work through all of that um, or not. I think it's one of those deals where um, that he was injured and because of the fact that maybe he might have been a little bit vulnerable, that that sped up the mental clock in his head. You know, that maybe he was like, you know what, I got to get rid of it, I got to get rid of it. And so he forced a few balls rather than just kind of playing within rhythm because you know I th- when you go back and look at the Louisiana Lafayette game and really there was only one pass that I even look at and say you know what there was some miscommunication there just about everything was a catchable ball he didn't pick up a corner blitz early didn't pick up a corner blitz against Southern Miss and didn't pick up a corner blitz against Tennessee so clearly he's having some troubles with that but people forget he's a first-time starter yes he is a fifth-year senior but he is a first-time starter so he doesn't have the benefit of a lot of game reps it's one thing to see it on film. It's another thing to see it live. When they're trying to tackle you, it's a different dynamic. Without question. It's a completely different dynamic. So now we get ready to go play LSU. And, um, you know, I asked Farad Green a little bit about, you know, we, we played them a couple years ago down here and beat them 37-7. to And in case you have forgotten... That's the biggest win for Mississippi State in the series against LSU. We had never beaten them by 30 points or more. We've done it now, and Ed Orgeron referenced that on Monday. Some of my LSU peers following that ball game in 2017 reached out and said, you know what, we are two programs going in two different directions. You guys are on the path to do something incredible, and we're probably about to have a coaching change. Well, two years later, we've had the coaching change and had a, uh, a, a, a season last year that was a little bit underwhelming. And this year, we're in worse situation than that. And then LSU is ranked number two in the country. It's funny how it all works. You get caught up in the result of a ball game and you start making emotional judgments about a team and say, you know what? We're in pretty bad shape here. Ed Orsrun probably won't be here next year. Ed Orsrun is still there, and LSU is scoring points at a record pace. And maybe if you've missed the irony in my previous comments, then uh, maybe go back and, and listen again. 
It's important to make judicious decisions and not emotional decisions. But I expect LSU to come in here looking for a little payback. They didn't play well against us last year either. Granted, we had a much better defense. We didn't play well against them. Blew some real opportunities in that ball game, not just offensively. If you recall, we picked off a pass in the end zone and tried to run it out and got hemmed up deep, and next thing you know, we're giving the ball back to them. We lost a battle field position in our ball game, but they did not play well. But they still won the football game. With the offensive production that they're slinging out there these days, if they have a chance to come in here and run the score up, I expect them to do so. So what should we expect on Saturday? You know, based on the mood of the SEAL complex, I mean, I think everybody understands who we're playing, but I think many of our players see it as an opportunity. I expect LSU to win the football game. I don't expect Mississippi State to lay down and give them the football game. There are a lot of guys on this team that have professional football aspirations. These are the kind of games that you make money. These are the kind of games you stand out. These are the kind of games you make a name for yourself. Guys like Cameron Dantzler talking about coming out this year, you're, you're going up against one of the most prolific passing offenses in the country. You go out and some, make some plays in this ball game, you get your name on the radar a little bit more. You move a little closer to the center of the pro football radar. Guys like Kylan Hill that have pro football aspirations, uh, he has really struggled the last couple of weeks. And some of that is our play calling. Okay, some of that is not just Kylan Hill. Some of it's our play calling, and some of it's our offensive line uh, not playing up to par. Spoke with Darrell Williams about some of that last night. And I give Logan Lowry credit. He, he asked specifically about, you know, Kylan has kind of struggled. You know, what, what have you guys kind of seen? And uh, Darrell Williams says, you know what, we got to play a more physical brand of football. we got to fire off the line and blow somebody back. We haven't done that. And one of the things that I mentioned – when we hired Marcus Johnson, who I like a lot, is that one of the things that I, that I admired about John Havasey is his guys always played with an edge. Now, it might have been because of the fact those guys didn't want to go to the sidelines and have to listen to Havasey's mouth, okay? <laughs> because that's the reality of it. John was a very aggressive, gruff offensive line coach. And when Marcus Johnson got here, it was it was a different style of coaching. I'm not saying one's better or worse than the other, but Marcus is more of a teacher and he's a bit more patient with those guys. I remember several times being out there with John Havasey and you know him turning to guys and yelling and asking him, "Why is it hard? Explain to me why is this hard?" And one of the reasons that your practices were closed a lot more is because of John. You know, I mean, John was a guy that just really got after his guys, but they played with an edge. We haven't been playing with an edge as an offensive line. Even in the early going of the year, we were giving up some big sacks, even before we got into SEC play. And then last weekend, you go up against a Tennessee team that has been very susceptible to the run, and your leading running back gets 13 yards on 11 carries, and uh, you don't get him the ball in space. You don't get creative with him. You just kind of keep running the same old things you've always run, and they're obviously prepared for it. And then you give up seven sacks. Tennessee had eight sacks on the year, only two in SEC play, and then we had seven last week. Now, we got to be a little bit one-dimensional at times, especially late in the ballgame. But there's no excuse to ever give up seven sacks. 
Happened back in 2015 against Ole Miss and against Alabama. But it's one of those deals when I look at it and I say, okay, what's changed? It's a lot of the same players, a lot of the guys that John Hevesy recruited, some of those guys John, you know, kind of sowed seeds in. Uh, but, you know, here we are, you know, a year and a half later, and some of those guys are, are just playing soft. Yesterday, Coach Joe Moorhead had the team practice in the rain. I had asked a couple of coaches earlier this year when we would have uh, some warmer temps. I wouldn't say 100 degree. It always makes sense, you know, when, you, when the heat index is that high, you'd go indoors. But there were some days that we were going indoors that traditionally we would practice. And the answer always was, well, that's what Coach wanted to do. I believe that a lot of that makes you soft. I think when you when you try to run from the elements, it makes you a little bit soft. I think you got to get out there and grind through it, learn to execute, because when you play the game, you can't say, hey, listen, can we go play indoors? So we practiced in the rain yesterday. I don't know what that means, but those guys need a wake-up call. You know, there are some people, whether they be student athletes or just people in general, you know, there, there are some people that get comfortable very, very easy. I'm one of the kind of folks that I, I get uncomfortable if I'm not doing something, if I don't have something planned, if I don't have something on the radar, if I just sit around and watch, I, I, I can probably sit around and watch TV outside of, you know, maybe on college football days, but it's difficult for me to just kind of sit around. I guess I'm a little OCD in that respect. But there are some people that they get comfortable and just, we'll, we'll do what we've always done. And there are a lot of people out there that will do the minimum. They'll do exactly what they're asked to do and not one thing more. And I think we've got a little bit of that. And to me, that is a lack of leadership. I think we've got a little bit of that. I think we've got some people that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do what they asked me to do. Because I just don't know how much you explain showing up there on Saturday as an offensive line and allowing a very mediocre offensive line to put a defensive line to push you around the way Tennessee pushed us around. We can talk about not getting the running game going with Colin Hill. We can talk about the seven sacks, but it all starts up front. You know, I would say there was one covered sack in the ball game. The other six, and there were a couple of them late in the ball game where we had offensive linemen just kind of thrown in Garrett Schrader's lap. I did like the fact that Joe Moorhead said, you know what, typically what we do is we take the five worst plays and the five best best plays and we show it to them. That surprised me a little bit because when uh, I guess my understanding was is that we reviewed every snap. And this time we went through about 35 negative plays, so I'm glad we're doing that because I think we're letting them off the hook when we just pick the five worst plays. I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think every failure, every single one, every mistake that we make needs to be reviewed and corrected. Every single one. I'm not trying to tell anybody else how to do their job, but I'm a firm believer in the old adage is that people would learn a lot more from their mistakes if they weren't so busy denying that they made them. And when it's not put into their face, there's not some accountability with all that. You put it in their face and say, hey, listen, you missed this assignment. And as a result, Colin Hill got blown up in the backfield for a negative four-yard loss. And the next thing you know, we're behind the chains. And then it makes us an obvious passing down. And then we get sacked. And all of that is on you. And we talk about it being a team game, but it is a team game that is made up of individual assignments. 
and everybody has to do their job. But on Saturday, we had a lot of guys not doing their jobs. From the huddle to the sideline, to the booth, we had a lot of people that failed. And I'm, I'm with, with many of you, you know, I think we're, this, the rest of this month is going to be very difficult for us. Very difficult. We're facing a great team on Saturday. Real, real probability we're going to dip below 500 and then have to have the month of November to kind of play catch-up. I still believe we're going to have to win three of those final four games to go to a bowl game. My hope is, and if we all kind of acknowledge that up front, you know what, we're going to dip below 500 and we're going to have to battle and battle and battle late in the year to kind of come back up and eventually hopefully have a winning season by winning a bowl game and getting to a bowl game. And at this point, that's not a guarantee. But my hope is we hit November after Garrett's had a couple of starts under his belt. And we can hit November against some non-top 10 teams, right? And then it gives him an opportunity to win some ball games, to get some positive momentum and get this team bowl eligible and get into those all-important bowl practices that really gets you into a running start into spring and into next year. That's one of the things you think about all this. People say, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go to Shreveport. You know, at this point, yeah, I'll go to Wiggins. Okay. I just want us to be able to get to a bowl game and get those practices because I think Garrett Schrader and this young offense next year is going to need those practices. Cause it's not about a season. It's about a program. You know, we've had some down years, even in the Dan Mullen years, and that's one of the things that I, listen, like uh, Billy Joel said, the good old days weren't all so good, and tomorrow's not as bad as it seems. You know, I remember a couple times, 2013, 2016 come to mind when I think of the times that many of us wanted Dan Mullen gone. And if Dan Mullen stayed, we wanted wholesale changes and coordinators fired and, you know, just a complete upheaval of things with the football program. 2013, Mississippi State was 4-6, and six, heading to Arkansas, and we had never won in the state of Arkansas. And Tyler Russell, God bless Tyler Russell, Tyler Russell led us to a win in Little Rock and got absolutely destroyed late in that ball game. He had been hurt, had the shoulder injury, been beat up all year, and he stood in the pocket and he made a great throw to extend the drive. And then we end up winning the game in overtime on Damon Williams' 25-yard run. And then we had to win the Egg Bowl. Nico Willie was a hero in both games. And I don't know if you know this, there's a whole chapter about that in Stark Villains that'll be out next week. Next week. Nico Willie talks to me about that 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 game and those that year about how what an important year that was for him. Then we won the egg ball. And then Dak was our starting quarterback, and he was healthy, and we went and destroyed Rice and Liberty Bowl, and everybody was so excited about football for next year. I could see a similar thing happening this year. We make a late run. We dip down, and we're struggling. And then we make a late run in November behind Garrett Schrader, and that gives us some momentum heading into the next year. i remind you guys, too, Campus Bookmart is a Stark Villigan institution. They have been with me a long time. They have been with you a long time. They will treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. 
They love you. I love you. And because I do, they've given me a promo code to save you a little cash. When you're in town, go by and see Stan the Man and Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there, the lovely, talented Susie. They'll all take care of you. They'll get you excited about Mississippi State again. Because everybody in your family wants Mississippi State clothing for Christmas. If you can't make it to town, we encourage you to visit them online at campusbookmart.net. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. And the phrase it pays is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll save you shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So let's be honest with one another. This football season is not going to end the way we wanted it to. Last year's football season did not end the way we wanted it to. And to be fair, the 2017 football season did not end the way we wanted it to. We went through a very difficult stretch there in 2017. You remember we, we, we talked about the big LSU win and some people were saying that Mississippi State was now the second best team in the SEC behind Alabama. And then we went to Georgia and uh, Kirby Smart says, you know, what, we'll see about that. And we got smashed. And then we went to Auburn and we got smashed again. And then everybody said, you know, it's the same old Dan Mullen. Same old Dan Mullen. And then we begin to kind of discount the ability of our opponents and say, you know what, we're getting OSU in a down year. And, and here's the thing about that is there's somebody down every year. There's always a chance when you get a senior-laden team, you can pick off somebody that maybe is at the end of a talent cycle. But the reality is all those wins count. It's one of the things about our fan base that irritates me is we always want to have to explain away our own success. We can't just enjoy it. We have to apologize for it. I'm not, I'm not going to buy into that. But we haven't, you know, even, listen, let's be honest. The 2014 football season didn't end the way we wanted it to. We were number one in the country. I remember talking with Dak Prescott when the FBS playoff stuff came out. And we were number one. And the rankings were, and I remember Alabama, I guess, had, uh, would, be our, would have been our opponent we were talking about the playoffs, and Dak's coming up, and Dak says, I told him, I said, hey, the playoff rankings could come out. You're still number one. And he said, where's Alabama? He said, we want to play Alabama again. Maybe we weren't number one. I don't even remember. The details don't matter. But the point being is that we would have had the opportunity to play Alabama again in the FPS playoffs. And so we were still alive for that, and we blew it. Then we had an opportunity to go to Ole Miss, and uh, Bo Wallace is on one leg, and they're missing Laquan Treadwell, who's out for the year. Vince Sanders go outs early in the ball, leaves the ball game early with you know in the ball game, so they got a one-legged quarterback and and no receivers. And then uh, we couldn't cover the tight end. And then we got to go to the Orange Bowl for the first time in forever, and we went down there, and our defensive coordinator quit and left on us. And so we had to shake Townsend call the defense, and we, we couldn't stop them. And as great as that season was, it didn't end the right way. 2015 didn't end the right way. 2015 was Dak's senior year. We had the big emotional senior day ceremony, and I look on the, on the field after everybody turns around, our entire sideline is crying, and there's the Ole Miss football players mocking our players for crying. And I thought, you know what, we're fixing to get our butts whipped. And we did. Dag didn't play well. We're driving early. He fumbles. Chad Kelly goes in and scores. Then we're trying to fight and get back into it. Dak does a pick six. We end up falling a little bit in the ball packing order and going to the belt ball. We went up there and had a good time. Won the ball game in the rain. 2016 season didn't end the way we wanted it to. Didn't start the way we wanted it to either. 
We lose to South Alabama. We're chasing the season all year long. We blow a ball game at Kentucky. We blow a ball game at BYU. We were always so close. We couldn't finish defensively. And then we beat Ole Miss. We found a way to slip into a bowl game. We won the bowl game. This season is not going the way we intended it to, but it may end the way we hope it does. We may not have the number of wins we had planned at the beginning of the year, but when I begin to look at the bigger picture, if we can end the year trending in the right direction, finding a sense of identity on offense, and then getting some much-needed snaps for our freshman quarterback, Garrett Schrader, to give him the confidence to be the guy next year, without question. And win the ball games down the stretch to get us bowl eligible, win the Egg Bowl, and then go to a minor ball game somewhere and have an opportunity to prepare and go win. I, I believe that is the springboard we need to get back to where we want to be. But there are going to be some dark days between now and then. Go ahead and prepare yourself. And as much as I love Mississippi State, as much as I would love to see State spring the upset this weekend, I don't think even the truest of the true maroon can honestly say they expect State to win this weekend. Not based on what we've seen. Do I expect the guys to come out with some fire and play hard? Yeah, I do. I just think LSU is better than us. and I I think it's a terrible matchup for us. Because we have not been able to put pressure on a quarterback, and you give a guy like Joe Burrow time, and he will absolutely pick you apart. And those wide receivers they have are tremendous. So it's not a great matchup for us. And defensively, they're not what they have been. So maybe we can get out there and make some plays. The linebackers, they, they had some guys that have been in and out of lineup, but, you know, maybe we can go out there and score a little bit. I just want to see some fire from this team, and I want to see them kind of get behind Garrett Schrader. And, you know, even, even if we can't soil LSU down, we get out there begin to kind of find some identity and have this offensive line begin to kind of gel a little bit for the, for the home stretch, then I think there's some reason for optimism. But, let, but let's go ahead now and let's go ahead and let, let's make a vow that perhaps we're going to go ahead and avoid the social media commentary post-game on Saturday because it's going to be negative. If we lose the ball game the way that many of us expect to lose the ball game, social media is not going to be pretty. But if we know this ahead of time, let's go ahead and save all that angst and that negative energy for something else. Because, you know, next weekend you're going on the road to A&M and that's a team that's probably, they're in a lot of similar situation as we are. There are a lot of people at Texas A&M saying, did we hire the wrong guy? And they still got to play Georgia and they've still got to play LSU. They're in a similar situation as we are. It's going to be a desperate situation. They're at home. But perhaps if we can get through this ball game and survive and, and come out of the game healthy, for the most part, that we have a chance to go down there and win that ball game. And wouldn't that be great? And listen, we, we, we have played some really good A&M teams with some wounded Mississippi State teams and still found a way to win the ball game. I mean, goodness, we go down there in 2013 with Dak, who's all broke up, and we still almost won the ball game. If we can make a tackle on special teams, we might actually win that game. So let's not count the dogs out just yet. I know, I know the popular thing, the cool thing, is to say, oh, you know, well, the season's over. You know, and, and maybe some of you guys are right about Joe Moorhead. M- maybe you are. And I, and I have to admit there's a lot of evidence right now to support some negative thinking about Joe Moorhead. 
I don't think Joe Moorhead forgot to coach. I think he's having to learn on the fly and adjust to a league that's proven to be a lot more difficult than he expected. But I'm not going to quit on our players. I'm not going to quit on Colin Hill. I'm not going to quit on Darrell Williams or Errol Thompson or Stephen Guidry or Osiris Mitchell. I'm not going to quit on those guys. I'm not going to quit on Jaquarius Landrews and Brian Cole. There are many guys out there that are trying to play, play for a pro football future. They're working very hard. They, they need your support. They may need it more than ever this weekend. But down the stretch, they're going to remember who was there ringing the cowbell. And you'll be glad you were one of them. So again, Mississippi State football has been through the valleys before. We're going to get back up the mountain. Now, I don't think the trip through the valley is going to be quite what some might believe because I think we've got a very special young man as our quarterback now. And while that may not show this weekend, I think he has that special quality that will make the people around him better. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. If you hadn't done so, go to Stark Villains, the book, and order your copy of Stark Villains. We'll have it out to you in a few days. Looking forward to that. Can't wait to see you guys. I think we've got half a dozen book signings already scheduled, and once we get books, we'll finalize all that and uh, begin to announce that. Looking forward to this, you know, Next week, you could see me in Tupelo. How about that? That's how quick it's going to happen. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.